A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gatherings, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on the earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be graceful, grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus, thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The Word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Emmanuel. Uh, we just absolutely always love coming back here um, to see your faces, to be refreshed, to be filled by word, spirit, and sacraments, uh, and to be encouraged and sent back out. Thank you. Thank you for letting us be here with you this morning. Uh, as Father Aaron said, we've been missionaries in the Czech Republic, serving young leaders across Central and Eastern Europe for the last five and a half years, having started a college four years ago and a bunch of other initiatives to help fuel the movement of God among young people in Central and Eastern Europe. Just to give you a taste of the sorts of people that we draw, um, we have a rather small ministry team in Hungary uh, that was just starting out and doing uh, evangelism and discipleship, working with local churches. And they had these three young people that had come through, had been discipled, and they came to us and said, we, we would love to hire them on as staff members, but we don't have the capacity to train them. Would you train them for us? And we said, yes, please. <laughs> We'd love to do that. And so for three years, we've been able to pour into them and give them a solid foundation in biblical training and theology and prayer and in mission. And all the while, they've been able to remain uh, engaged in their local ministry, serving in their local youth groups, participating in their broader Hungary, uh, Hungarian team. And, and one student in particular has, has been a real inspiration to me. Her name is Dorka. 
And she is, she was uh, 19 when she came and studied with us, started studying with us. And uh, as she started learning and absorbing and being exposed to all the things that God was doing, she would go back to her local church and honestly with a little disappointed, a little discouraged. They weren't being as ministry focused or as discipleship oriented or as missional as, as she had hoped. And in these sorts of situations, it's easy for bitterness to take root. But she took that as a call to action. And she decided that with her small group in the youth group, she would get each of them connected to an older person in the church, developing discipleship relationships. She was going to start teaching about the mission of God and encouraging this small group to reach out to their community. And as she started doing that, you know what? It started spreading to the rest of the church. Now, 22, year old, 22 years old, she's graduated and she is having a massive impact in her community, but also across all of Hungary, equipping people to join in God's mission. We're so thankful for stories like this, for students like this uh, that we get to share with you, because as our sending church and as our supporters and partners, you get to benefit from this sort of fruit. So thank you. Now, uh, it's easy to tell the good stories, but especially the last two years have also been full of challenges and full of fear, actually. Um, just a month ago, well, maybe it's two months ago now, a few weeks before we were supposed to come over here to the States, I was talking to my wife, Laura, and I just started shaking. Shaking uh, from fear, trembling out of all the challenges that we are facing right now that I don't see a way out of. We're looking for new partners in our ministry. We need finances. We need a house to be built. We need new students. We need capacity and margin in our life. We need our kids to be healthy. And as I looked at all of this mess in front of me, I was just overwhelmed and it resulted in shaking and literal trembling. And for me, when I get in that kind of zone, which doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's, it's intense. I get tunnel vision. I can only focus on the problems. I can only see the, out of my fear. And it's hard to get out of that. There's plenty for us to be afraid of. Uh, in fact, a, a recent survey of American pastors, um, they, asked, they asked this question. Do you observe a growing sense of fear within your congregations? And seven pastors out of 10 said yes. There's plenty to be afraid of. There's fear for our loved ones, for our parents, for our kids, for our family members. There's fear for our future, for the future of this country, for the future of our vocations, for the future of this church and finding a place. There's fear for provision. Will we have enough? Will we have a place to call home? Will we have a place to grow? There's also a reason for fear for justice. God, how long will this war in Ukraine continue? There's also fear for the lack of hope many of us experience. 
jackpot? Is there, is there a way forward? And fear often is like this tunnel vision. It, it narrows our fro- focus and it blocks out everything else. And some of us seem to be more wired to, toward panic and withdrawal. And that's, that's definitely me. When I get overwhelmed and get tunnel vision, I, I lock up and I want to escape. Others of you might be more wired toward anger, toward an outburst, toward a lashing out in the face of fear. But either way, the question is, how do we have faith in the face of fear? We all know that ignoring it's not going to work. Just when I try to tell my wife, just think it's fine. Don't worry about it. Just ignore it. Doesn't work. Acting like it's not as bad as it could be is not going to work in the long run. And we still have these real concerns, these real needs. So how do we cultivate faith in the midst of our fear? We end our summer looking at the book of Hebrews, learning to walk by faith. We're going to listen once more to these ancient words, which have something very real and tangible for us this morning. And in this text that we have had read to us already, we are introduced to a situation that feels very familiar. Fear. And in this case, there are actually pretty good reasons to fear. Let's take a look at our text. If you'll open up your bulletins to page 10, we'll take another look at this and dig a little bit deeper. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. This, of course, is referring back to Exodus, to the mountain of God, to the creation of the people of Israel, to the establishing of the covenant that we heard also read for us from Exodus 19. This place loomed large in the imaginations of the Israelites. This is the place of amazing grace and also amazing threat. After the people of God were rescued from slavery, they were brought through the desert to this mountain, to the mountain that was promised to Mount Sinai, where God would take them to be his own. And this is an amazing moment of grace where God says, I love you. I want you. I want to walk with you. I want to use you. I want you to be a blessing to the whole world. But we're going to need to learn how to work together, how to live together, how to love one another. Because God is a holy God. He's the God of power and might. And on the one hand, the people receive this amazing challenge to be a kingdom of priests, to be God's missionary people. But also they come to, uh, face to face with God's greatness. Do not even touch the mountain. Don't come near. Make sure that you're consecrated. Make sure that you're in a, in a place where you acknowledge your distance between you and God. 
And there are real reasons to be afraid, as we're warned in the text from Exodus 19. One biblical scholar um, talks about God's holiness as uh, a sort of radioactivity. Anybody seen the Oppenheimer movie recently? (laughs) So after the bomb, they developed uh, a nuclear power plant. And the, the thing about nuclear power plants is that there's incredible power in them. By splitting an atom that releases exponential amounts of power that can be a blessing to so many. But just take a look at Fukushima and what can happen if that energy is not handled correctly. It can spill out and cause massive destruction. God's holiness is the same way. They're to approach God with reverence and awe and with obedience, recognizing that this power is a blessing but could also be a curse. So as Israel comes to this mountain, Hebrews says that they could not endure. This experience was overwhelming. They couldn't handle (laughs) the tension. They couldn't handle the, the real reasons to fear, and they got tunnel vision. Even Moses says, I tremble with fear. And the people said, don't even speak to us. We don't even want to hear. This is the first stop in our journey this morning, the mountain of fear. But thankfully, there's another stop as well. Another mountain, but more importantly, a city on a mountain. This is a culmination of many of the author of the book of Hebrews pictures and arguments up to this point where our perspective is widened to see the greatness of this place to which God has invited us. This is not a place for tunnel vision, for fear, for anxiety, for panic, but this is a place for awe and reverence. This is the city of the living God with angels in endless worship where the saints of old have gathered with the saints of new to the very judge of all. And finally, to the mediator of a new covenant, Jesus. It's a little hidden in our English translations, but it really does culminate like that in the Greek. It, it leads, it, it withholds Jesus' name till the very end, till this moment of a mic drop. Jesus. Slowly but surely, the text helps us to widen our perspective, to see the city which we have been invited to, to which we do pilgrimage, but even more significantly to the one that is calling us. And this one calling Jesus offers two solutions to our tunnel vision, to our dual response of either panic or anger. In the face of panic, he offers wonder. Our eyes are lifted to see the bigger picture of God's renewal of all things. And in the face of anger, Jesus offers forgiveness. It says here that Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This is imagery from earlier in the book 
uh, the blood of Abel calls out for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus calls out for forgiveness. In all of this, what assuages our fears is not necessarily where we are going, but to whom we have come. And this is faith, is it not? Drawing near to Jesus. So does this mean we just uh, ignore all of our fears, leave them to the side, even the ones that are valid, our needs for provision, for safety, for hope? Do we just need to be more optimistic maybe than the Israelites? Oh, it's really not as bad as you thought. Uh Yes, God's dangerous, but he also loves you. It's okay. Well, in verse 25, we are reminded that there is still much to be alert to. But there's a difference. We're not told to be alert to all the reasons for fear, but to the one who is speaking in the midst of our fear. Verse 25 says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. At Sinai, God was speaking to his people, exhorting them and warning them they could not listen. Now, Jesus is speaking to us exhorting us as well and warning us as well. Will we listen? Some of his words might not be comfortable, like the ones that are quoted here from Haggai. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. There is more shaking up to come. But there are also words of hope, assuring us that we, that he, is working toward establishing that which cannot be shaken. It says, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And what is that which cannot be shaken? It's God's very own kingdom. Verse 28 says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is God's kingdom dwelling in our midst and also still the place to which we pilgrimage. The new creation of a world of beauty and order and justice through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. And this heavenly Jerusalem, which has been painted for us, is a place to which we may come even now. We're able to taste it in our worship in our obedience, and in our mission. And all this hope leads us back to God, even in the face of fear. There is still much to fear. After all, the text ends with, for our God is a consuming fire. But this fear is different because it's not the kind of fear that leads to tunnel vision to panic, or to anger. But this fear, or reverence, or awe, leads us to gratitude and to worship. The text says, let us offer to God acceptable worship, and let us be grateful. This kind of a fear leads us to an exercising of faith in the one who is worthy. My encouragement to you and also to myself 
experiencing fear, walking, trying to walk by faith, is that in the face of fear, walk by faith by listening to Jesus' voice and receiving his unshakable kingdom. Listen to Jesus' voice and receive his unshakable kingdom. I have a couple ideas of what that could look like practically for us this morning. First, maybe identify your fear response. Reflect back on the times where you've experienced fear or maybe you're experiencing fear right now. Do you lean more towards panic and withdrawal or do you lean more towards anger and lashing out? Do you withdraw like the Israelites at the mountain or do you become angry and cry out like the blood of Abel? Ask God for his perspective. Ask God for his forgiveness. Second idea for us is to listen to the voice of Jesus. In our gospel reading, we, we, he heard Jesus' words to his disciples in the face of fear. First, walking up to disciples who thought they saw a ghost. And what does, God, what does Jesus say? He says, take heart, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then as Peter attempts to step out in faith and asks God, is it okay? Jesus says, and when Peter doubts and experiences all the fear rushing back in the tunnel vision, and he cries out for help, Jesus reaches his hand out and says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? These baby words that you need to hear this morning, straight from the lips of Jesus. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Come. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? My last thought for us is to expect some more shaking up. We often hope in the face of fear that things will get to a stable place, that we'll kind of be able to push aside the things that, that shake us up in our life. Well, Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to shake things up a little bit more. But I'm doing it so that that which is unshakable will remain. So expect a little more shaking up, but even now receive an unshakable. In the face of fear, walk by faith, listening to Jesus' voice and receiving his unshakable kingdom. Now in a paraphrase of our text, Dear Emmanuel, Anglican Church, you have not come to a mountain that should leave you in fear, either anxious or angry. You have received and will yet receive in full the city of the living God. In this city, the praise of angels is joined with the praise of saints, even you, where the Son of God is lifted high for all to be drawn to him. And while you journey, and when you are afraid, have faith in Jesus, who speaks 
take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. There will be more reasons to fear as the world will be shaken, but not forever. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God is building his kingdom. Even now, here in Uptown, here in Chicago, in the Czech Republic, across the whole world. Let us be thankful. Let us draw near to him in faith and in worship. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's take a moment to offer to the Lord whatever is getting in the way of us taking that step of faith toward the mountain where God dwells and the path upon which Jesus calls us to walk. As Tyler preached and shepherded us through, maybe it is that the anger, maybe it is the fear. Perhaps it's something else. But often it is one of those two things keeping us from walking on water, taking the step of faith, trusting Jesus. Go ahead and give those things to the living God now. And now, Lord, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit and move us, activate us on that journey. We pray that you would remove obstacles from within us and around us from joining your unshakable kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.